Hey everybody, this is the One Foot Down Podcast. I am your host, Joshua Voles, site manager, emperor, supreme warlord, and defender of the faith, and knocking out another podcast here, um, doing this as a as a mailbag special, um, <clears throat> put the bat signal out to uh, send in questions, and um, I'm just going to go through them in podcast form. Um, rather than type because I'm lazy today. So, you know, just trying some new things, doing some different stuff here. <clears throat> uh, that way you can hear me cough every once in a while. So, uh, we're just going to, I'm going to blast through this. Um, and then, uh, you know, that's it. <laughs> Again, welcome to the, to the show. Uh, let's just get started. Let's, uh, let's throw out these questions. So, ND Fun Facts asks, can someone spell out the case against Meyer? No. <laughs> Next. No, look, I, I just don't care about Urban Meyer. I don't care about what he's done at Florida or at Ohio State or the ramifications of his departure. It, it, it affects Notre Dame a lot less than anyone thinks. And if that's being asked because someone's saying that he'll be the next head coach at Notre Dame, well, just roll your eyes and sigh. Because it's not happening. He's, he's not coming to South, he's not coming to Notre Dame to coach ever. You can mark those words down as fact in stone from Moses. Uh, it's just not happening. So, uh, I think her loyal sons did a, did an article um, recently about about Meyer. I uh, highly recommend you go over their site, and check it out if if you want some some ammo on it. I just don't care. I <laughs> I I don't care about Urban Meyer, but what he's done, what he's gonna do, it is what it is. I think he uh, he's got some issues, man, uh, and he's got some winning issues. Wanted to win, does things to win, and doesn't really think about what goes on after it. So, anyways, that's my that's my case against him. It, it's because it doesn't matter to Notre Dame. So, if, if anyone thinks that this is gonna like drastically help recruiting, I think it's crazy to begin with. So, I will address that. It, it, first of all, since Meyer's arrival at Ohio State. Ohio State has changed their recruiting tactics dramatically in the sense that, you know, they went more national than ever before. So really there was more Ohio recruits to go grab than at any other time. I mean, we're, honestly, if you wanted them bad enough, you, you could have gone and got them. You could have gotten the mix, but he recruited more nationally than at any point in Ohio State's history. You know, kind of going against the grain for what, really for what Ohio State is supposed to be, or what I thought it was supposed to be all these years, is why I had respect for the program as, as an Ohioan myself, as a guy who played high school football in Ohio. You know, I had a lot of respect for the Ohio State football program because of how many Ohio guys were on that team. You know, it, it felt like 
you know, big state, you felt like the big state program because, you know, I remember, you know, you go up against guys that, that were either offered to go there or, you know, were on their way to go there. And it just felt like an Ohio thing. And Meyer changed that quite a bit. And so, I mean, maybe now with Ryan Day, they, they try to lock up the state a little bit more. I mean, it's not like they weren't recruiting Ohio. I mean, Ohio's got some elite talent in it. Don't get my words twisted up. But there's a lot of talent in the state, period. And I just felt that that uh, more than any point in, in history, they were a lot of that talent was able to go elsewhere if, if someone wanted them because of what Meyer was doing trying to recruit nationally, you know, mainly out of Florida and Texas. So that's my answer. <laughs> it's not, it's not the greatest answer I'm sure, but I, I don't have much of a case against them because I don't care. Um, NDOCD for once, can we have our next overseas Shamrock series game in Paris? Well, I mean, first of all, the Shamrock series The Shamrock Series hasn't left the states. Uh, if you're thinking of the Ir- the games in Ireland, those are Navy home games and not a Shamrock Series event at all. So, saying it's our next overseas, sh- I mean, I get what you're saying, but I mean, words are important and intent is important. I don't want any games overseas. Period. I don't want this game in Ireland. I understand why, but I, I just I don't want it. Notre Dame doesn't need it. They need to win football games, and I think scheduling otherwise, you're scheduling more difficulty into your schedule than needs to be. Because no one gives a shit. I think this season, 2018, is kind of proof of that, where. They want to throw down how how much easier the schedule is this season than what it was supposed to have been. You know, in the beginning of the year, you would have thought, it was, "Oh, this is a." You know, you look down the list like, "Oh man, that's you know, that's just a death trap." You know, waiting to happen. And just looking at the opponents, and what happens is that the opponents uh, became mediocre this year, and. But the death trap really was the travel. And no one gave a shit. They just were saying, you know, that these teams weren't any good. And they're not really looking at the specifics of the travel and and the the difficulties involved. And really what Notre Dame had to go through the last month. And so if no one cares, why do it? You're doing it for fans. I'd just rather see a win. I'd rather do what's best for the program and it's in the sense of winning. I don't really give a shit about a marketing scheme or ways for them to generate extra revenue. They make enough money as it is. I really don't care. I don't care about the money. That's the last thing in the world I care about. I love when some random Joe Notre Dame fan brings up, well, they're going to make some money off of this. Who cares? What the, what the hell do you care? You're not going to see any of that. In fact, you're not even going to see any effects of that because Prices go up every year on everything. So <laughs> what do you give a shit if they're making money on something or not? 
that absolutely does nothing. So no, I don't want a game in Paris. I don't want a game in Australia. I don't want a game in China or Japan or wherever the fuck else Jack Swarbrick had mentioned and thinks. Because, I mean, now he's changing his tune. And they changed their tune dramatically. I mean, this thing about 2012. I mean, they could have and probably Milma should have lost that game against Purdue after their game in Ireland against Navy. And they were, I mean, they were beat. That was a, you go from Saturday to Saturday, overseas and back. And you could see that they were, they were flat. There's some jet lag going on there. And Notre, look, Notre Dame has a history of coming out flat in games anyways. Well, <laughs> don't even, you don't even have to throw in the travel. So don't, let's not pile it on. But then this 2020 game in Ireland, it's not even just, they scheduled themselves a bye, but it's not even just a bye. It's a week and a half. I mean, the game is scheduled on a Thursday against Navy in 2020, and then you'll have the next week off before you get to game two. That's all done on purpose because of what happened in 2012. That's how much that shit affects, you know, the, the players and the staff. So why you would ever want to do that is beyond me. I, I just, I, it makes no sense. I think the Shamrock series is a, is a sham series. It's pointless. I mean, all it does is steal from, from the fan base, some joy. And I, and I, what I'm, <laughs> I guess what I'm saying is like, why is it better to have Wisconsin and Lambo and in Soldier Field than in Camp Randall and in, Notre Dame Stadium. It's not. It's it's a big marketing ploy. I just I, ugh. you know, and I'm a Packer fan, and I I just but I find that this whole that whole that whole mess is just ugh, that pisses me off more than anything. Why do you want to do that? There makes no sense to me. Keep them play college games on college campuses in college stadiums. That's where they're supposed to be played. Not in fucking Paris. Not in Ireland, not in Lucas Oilfield Stadium. So, no, I think for once we need to stop thinking that this is something that we should be doing and it's something that we should not be doing. <clears throat> Moving on. Uh, Scottish Cubby 19, settling a debate with a college friend. Does Die Hard count as a Christmas movie? No, it does not. Just because a movie has a Christmas moment, uh, and moment might be a strong word, uh, doesn't make it a Christmas movie. Christmas movies are uh, their own genre. Okay? A Christmas movie, if you say something's a Christmas movie, it's got specific traits, specific Brian Kelly traits that it needs to follow as a Christmas movie. Die Hard doesn't fall under that. I mean, if Die Hard falls under that category, so does Harry Potter. All right? And other guys have brought up, um, you know, Goodfellas because they're buying a Christmas tree. Lethal Weapon because he kills a bunch of drug dealers on a Christmas tree lot. I mean, that. no. Die Hard is not a Christmas movie. Rocky Four is brought up. And, and, you, and the case can be made. That Rocky Four is a much more of a Christmas movie than Die Hard, if you want to put it in that game. But it's not. But it, that is also not a Christmas movie. 
it just so happens to take place a moment of it with some Christmas. Christmas movies are a whole different genre, a whole different type of movie, you know? So, no, that, it is a good debate. It is one that has been around a while, but it absolutely, uh, Die Hard is absolutely not a Christmas movie. All right, uh, Irish Burke 82, better soundtrack, Rudy or Hoosiers? I gave this a lot of thought because I mean, I was quick to jump on the Rudy bandwagon for this question and went back and gave it some more thought. And I'm still going with Rudy and by a, by a long, long ways. Look, the, the, they're both composed by the same guy. And I mean that, that Hoosiers, I mean, they're, and they're, Great movies. I, I think Hoosiers is a better movie than Rudy, though. But the soundtrack is better for Rudy. And the reason being is that soundtrack transcends the movie. That soundtrack is a part of the university now, really. It's like someone came in and rewrote, you know, the history of the Notre Dame. I mean, it, it's... I mean, think about it for a second. Think of how insane that sounds that a movie soundtrack was so great that it, it instantly became a part of one of the greatest college football programs in history. Think about it. And it did it. I mean, they used that for like, you know, the, what's, what was one of the greatest intros for a college football game ever. Well, it was that 1993 Florida State game. What was the soundtrack? What was the music they were using? It was Rudy. There is a video that I that I recommend to everybody every offseason to watch a couple times. And it's a 35-minute long um, highlight video. And it, it's set to some pretty epic music, you know. And, you know, it's stuff from like The Last of Mohicans, you know. Conan, uh, Pirates of the Caribbean. It, it, it's very well done. Very well done. And one of, one of the best parts is uh, there's a Rocky IV soundtrack against Oklahoma. And it's amazing. I mean, just you watch that, those the highlight sets, crank it up, and you're just, you're living it. It's such a good, it's such a great highlight film. Um, really the pinnacle. Everybody's making them now, but this is still, to me, that is like the pinnacle of, Notre Dame fan videos. <clears throat> but the the last the last game that 2012 season was USC. And the soundtrack used uh, for those that part of the highlights was the stuff from Rudy. And dude, if you're not like in tears or damn near in tears after all of that, and then that's you know, 30 minutes of of this grinding, pumping stuff, and then that soundtrack comes on and you watch those highlights against USC and it, it takes you back to that 2012 game and how much all of that meant. I mean, I think people forget about the feelings that we had after that 2012 game, you know, it was an amazing ride and it was just an amazing feeling. And that's what the Rudy soundtrack brings out in people too. You know, that, I, you know, I, I, it's not the, 
I'll keep my views of the movie to myself here, but you know, that, that music just seems to uplift and, and take you to a different place. And I just, I think it's a, it's yes. I'll answer Rudy is Rudy soundtrack is better than Hoosier soundtrack. Moving on. <clears throat> also from Scottish company 19 through an add on here. What is the best liquor to spike eggnog with? I mean, brand specificness is appreciated, but not required. Uh, I go with a, you know, a good bourbon. Take your pick of what bourbon you enjoy the most. Uh, or one that it's, a, you know, a staple in your liquor cabinet. I always have a bottle of Makers. I would go with that. Um, I'm seeing stuff here like Kiss Caramel Vodka. Uh, you know, I, I don't know. I, I, I would just rather go with a bourbon. I wouldn't. I don't believe I would put rum into it. Um, but I mean, I, I love eggnog. And I just, I would stick with, you know, putting Elijah Craig in there, you know, bullet, whatever. That's my general thinking there. I wouldn't go stray too far off the, uh, the beaten path of this one. Okay. Why are the uh, Irish by choice? Why are there no original thoughts in Hollywood? <laughs> Yeah, because, I mean, what he's saying here is, he says, why has everything in the last decade been a reboot or remake or a comic book movie? And, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to defend Hollywood here, but really everything that's, everything's already been written. You know, there's a, there's an author, his name is Joseph Campbell, and he wrote uh, a book called The Hero with a Thousand Faces. And basically, <clears throat> it's about mythology, which is the first form of storytelling. And it just kind of go. It goes through everything involved in these stories, like you know the hero's journey and stuff like that. And when you when you break it down like that, all these legends, all these stories that we have, are all basically follow the same pattern. Um, and that's like your two cents breakdown version of what that book's all about. So, I mean, it's already been written. <laughs> Everything. It, so everything's going to seem a little, st a little stale from time to time. And I just think that, you know, I just think that Hollywood needs to get their heads out of their asses, but you know, it's about making movies or it's about making money and not, and not art right now. It's been like that for a while, but it seems like right. It's got it worse in the last 20 years. You're right. They want to make money. Things that are proven to have made money before will get green lighted a lot easier than something new or something that, you know, a lot of these are, are cheap remakes you know they're not big budgeted you know stuff i mean and it's not like everything is getting everything is bad i mean there's been some great stuff made i mean great stuff but it's the easy sells that they promote the most it's what you see the most you know i think that there's been you know I, and i guess it, it's more of a worldly view but I mean, but I mean, 
there's been all sorts of great stuff made throughout the, you know, the last couple decades, you know, movies, television shows. Um, but you just, you got to look, look around for it. I think with the streaming services, you're getting a better sense of that. You know, Hollywood, if you want to, and we're just talking about like going to the movies. Well, I don't really enjoy going to the movies anymore anyways. It, it, that to me that that's a, feels like it's gonna be a dying industry like Tower Records. It just it doesn't do much for me anymore. I think we, my wife and I go maybe once or twice a year, you know, and it's great to have to be able to go do that. But if I'm only doing that once or twice a year, I just I can't see them making much off of it, I suppose. But I mean, plenty of people do enjoy going to the movies. I just, I, I, I don't. I would rather watch it out. So, anyways, why? I don't know. I think there are original thoughts, but they're only going to sell you the sure things, and the sure things are stuff that has already been done before. Um, let's. How can anyone respect this man's football opinion? And there's a picture of Tim Tebow sitting on a chair talking to Chris Fowler. And Tebow is wearing, uh, looks like some old Air Force Ones. That's a fuzzy picture. Anyways, uh, yeah. My wife and I talked about this the other day, actually, about all these guys wearing tennis shoes with their suits. I don't get it. Either be casual or be dressy. I I don't know. And what the fuck is all that? I mean, I, you see guys like Joey Galloway and Dave Pollock wearing tennis, these tennis shoes with their suits. Then why wear the suit? That I, To me, that just it seems like that is an incredible... It's just stupid. It looks dumb. But yeah. I, I, I don't know. And if you're basing... If you're basing a, respecting a man's football opinion off his attire, I think it, that's a little out there. And this is from a clever screen name, but but outside of that, Tim Tebow trusted. Have you listened to him? Uh, you know, at any point in the last couple of years, I can't take his voice. It's so whiny and talking like this and blah blah blah. I can't take it. it drives me nuts. Like instant volume down. I don't care what he's saying. It's change channel or volume down. I, it's not a good voice. He does not. It's not a good voice at all. And yeah, he looks like a fool here in this in this suit and these all white tennis shoes. I maybe it's my age. I I be be classy, man. And there's so many great combo. I mean, there's so many great shoes and socks. You, together, Fowler looks like crap here too. You know, he should have done a little something with those socks rather than just straight brown socks. But, but anyways, but yeah, you, you're right. How can you trust an opinion from a child? And that's what he looks like. He looks like he's a child, you know, on television. I don't know. Uh, Onward, Victory eighty two. If you were a hot dog and you were starving, would you eat yourself? Yes. Yes. But I mean, not all yourself, just like most of yourself. So, 
or letting some of yourself to stay alive. <laughs> I think I'll just go with that. Uh, Clearwall, have you ever had an Allsup's burrito? Do you need to eat it with taco sauce or can you do it dry? Uh, no, I have not ever had an Allsup's burrito. And, but I will answer this question somewhat. Burritos are meant to be wrapped and put into your hands and ate. Anything else is a fucking enchilada in some form. I don't care if it is or not. Call a burrito all you want. You a burrito should be able to be picked up and ate. And that's it. So if it's dripping wet and all crazy, with sauce on top of it, that's not a burrito. If you gotta eat it with a fork, it's not a burrito. Not in my mind. Uh, as a hot dog a sandwich. Uh I'm sitting here thinking like this has never been asked before. Don't care. <laughs> no, a hot dog is a hot dog. Is Santa real? Absolutely. From Irishbrook 82. And he also asked if the ND football team were Santa's reindeer, who would he choose to guide his sleigh? Well, Drew Tranquil, obviously. Because, I mean, ain't nothing going to stop him. I mean, think about all the all the injuries that he's gone through this season, really through his career. And uh, nothing's stopping him. You know, he played in all 12 games this season. And there was a point where we thought he was done for for at least two or three weeks because of how brutal, you know, his ankle got rolled up. So I choose Drew Tranquil. So <laughs> we'll just go with that. Um, some from Twitter here. Cold as Brian. What are your top favorite three pieces of Notre Dame apparel merchandise from memorabilia? I don't. First of all, I, I, I'm not into memorabilia. I'm not, I don't collect autographs. I don't, I'm not real big into that kind of stuff. Unless it has some kind of personal meaning to me. Um, it's just, it's not, not anything that I'm into. I, and no offense to anybody else that collects this stuff or buys this stuff. I just find it to be an incredible waste of money. Um, but uh, let's see, my three favorite things. Uh, well, I'll, I'll, I'll put this up as, as the uh, lead on the, on the website. And I have some photos now of me and my son at, at the first football, football game at Notre Dame stadium that I ever took him to. It was ball state game this year. Um, I was working the press box still, but, uh, um, was able to take him to the game and sat with him through the whole game. And this is his first game ever, and he did awesome. You know, he's he's only seven years old, and I thought that he would be a little fidgety and, and want to leave or whatever, but he did great. And it was kind of – it was a boring game, you know. It was <laughs> the Ball State game. It was just awful to watch and be around. And I thought it would be more exciting because there would be more scoring, and there wasn't. But, yeah, that is my number one thing, I think, ever. Um yeah, for sure, is anything that has to do with that day, you know, taking my son for the first time, because that was, that was special to me. And the things I was able to do because of what I'm doing now, you know, was, was special. You know, we were, I took him up to the press box, he got to look around and see what's going on up there, 
um, we're in the stadium before the rest of the fan base, you know, they let the fans through the gates. So we're walking around by, you know, by ourselves inside the stadium and I'm showing them around. Uh, you know, it, it got chilly and <laughs> we, we were able to spend some time talking to the, to the vendors there before I bought them a sweatshirt, um, trying a few on. And just, it was just, it was a special day for me. And so my photographer, uh, Mike Miller, who t- took just some incredible shots this year was, uh, you know, took some, some random shots of, of Ryan and I in the, in the stands. And, and what's funny is half of them were like me angrily looking down at my phone as I'm like trying to half do my job, um, for the site during this, what should have been a blowout and it was a close game, but there's some good shots of, of me and him in there. So that's my favorite thing is just those pictures because I'll have these memories for the rest of my life and he will too. And that, that's what I think what that kind of means. Um, the other two items you take, <laughs> yeah, there's a handful of stuff. I mean, I got some ticket stubs, uh, for some great games. First game I ever went to with my, with my father was the Oklahoma game in 99. And that was awesome. It was a big comeback. Um, so that's pretty dope. Uh, I really enjoy this ratty ass blue hat that I have. So I don't know. I I, I don't hold a whole lot of sentimental value towards a, a wide number of things. I think three would be a high number. So, uh, but good question though. Uh, not sure how all this is. Devil Ho 12. Would you rather have, and this is a great question, would you rather have last year's offensive line or this year's defensive line for the playoffs? And I, I, I thought it was a difficult choice until I just boiled it down to was last year's offensive line better than um, you know this year's defensive line? Period. So, or, or, or no, 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 I flipped that around. Was this year's, or was last year's defensive line better than this year's offensive line? And I would say yes. So, I, I don't know. <laughs> it's a tough question. I, I mean, you know, when it comes down, because it says, you know, for the playoffs. So, you want to be able to have a great, you know, offensive line and be able to protect the quarterback or the football but the defensive line that we've had has been so, you know, so stout. But they were pretty good last year. And I think that's basically where I where I came around to is I thought the defensive line was good last year, not great. But I and I think that the offensive line for Notre Dame this year wasn't on the isn't on the level of what the defensive line was for them last year. So I'm going with that. So if you want to bring up back Mike McGlinchey and and uh, Quentin Nelson and uh, healthy Alex Bars. Uh, hey, I'm all for it. So that, I think that would be great. Because, I mean, most of the guys are back on the defensive line that we have anyway. So it's a great question. That that, that took some a little bit of thought. But, uh, yeah, I'll go with that. I'll definitely go with last year's offensive line. Uh, BJX Phillips, best Tarantino film that is not Pulp Fiction. And I definitely would say uh, 
Inglorious Bastards. For sure. A lot of people would say Reservoir Dogs. And, you know, that was a movie that when I was in college, it was, you know, it was a hot movie. You know, and look, Pulp Fiction is where it's at. That, that was the, obviously the greatest Tarantino movie made. And it is amazing. But I, I thought, I really liked Inglorious Bastards. And I, the more time goes on, the more I appreciate that movie for what it is. It's a, it's a fun, it's a fun movie. It's got, I, I just think it's, I, and look, I'm just not a big Tarantino fan anyways. So there's, it's a small sample size. And so I'll take that. I'll take Inglorious Bastards. It had some great performances by some actors. Um, I'll just leave it at that. Uh, sorry, Reservoir Dogs. And uh, I think that's I think that's really it for to. Uh, I think we covered all our questions here. A little bit of a mix there. Um, don't know what's next, what's going on for the rest of the week, but uh, you know, stay tuned to One Foot Down, and uh, that was a long half hour of answering you know some random shit. Who knows if I'll ever do this again. I just thought, kind of thought that was, this would be a, a fun way to, or an easy way uh, to take care of this. But, um, no, but we'll see. So, again, thanks for listening and uh, go Irish. <laughs>